What if your life was a dance? What if you could learn to perform it with grace and power? My name is Tudor Alexander, and I want to be your partner as we choreograph the dance of life. Join me as we share in some of the most meaningful life lessons and strategies that I've discovered in my career as a professional athlete and entrepreneur. We'll talk business, transformation, gratitude, and everything in between as we dance our way through life. Together, we'll learn and navigate life's changes and dance to whatever the music is playing. Are you ready? It's time for the dance of life. Today, my guest is Joe Wozniak. Say hello, Joe. Hi, Tudor. How's it going, my friends? We've known each other for a pretty long time now. Yeah, over 10 years. Yeah, over 10 years. So what do you what do you do for a living you want to share with people listening? Well, I'm retired from Honeywell, and I'm also doing nutritional consulting, which I started back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and what I do is different than most nutritional consultants. Uh, How is it different from... Another nutritional hmm. consultant, what would you say is the unique angle that you take? What I found was that people, when they think about nutrition, think in terms of, well, what supplement do I take? What's the latest thing that they've heard? And to, to give you an idea, one of my clients came in. I have them bring in whatever supplements that, they, that they're taking or planning to take. And this lady brought in a box of 70 supplements. Oh, wow. So that's how things can get out of hand because people go to health food stores and they try this and they'll try that and before you know it. So what's interesting is, is that this particular lady, after we did testing of blood, blood and urine and hair, found out that she wasn't even taking the most fundamental supplements. So that's kind of what I teach people is that very few people, even after testing, etc., are on the right track or things that are most valuable to them. In other words, you want to spend your money on the most important things. Mm, right, prioritize. So the point is, is that people left on their own devices have no clue, really, of what is the best approach. So from a transformation standpoint... I teach people that, number one, you can't do optimal health without testing. And and I was taught that by one of the nutritionists for the NBA players who uh, started to investigate who were the most knowledgeable people in nutrition. He he wanted to, before he started, he he had gotten injured, and he wanted to find out who were the most knowledgeable people in nutrition what did they know and what had they proven by peer-reviewed research? So as an example, he found a scientist who worked at the University of Nebraska with his graduate students, and he had published like 300 papers on probiotics and prebiotics. And so <clears throat> that's an example of where he had started off to find out who were the, the people who knew the most, and that was one of the bases for what I, where I started. Mm. Have you ever thought of your work as transformative? I mean, I know all the nutrition counseling and a lot of things like that can have pretty dramatic effects on people. It's a, that's one of the pillars of leading a good life. Have you ever considered the work that you do as transformative with people? Yes, because 
of all the 300 and some people that I've tested, no one can, maybe one person came close to being near optimal. So mm. we're really talking about making a huge change uh, based on scientific fact and testing. And that by itself teaches people a lots of things that they had no clue. And what was also interesting is when I was taking a nutrition class, one of my instructors actually asked me to come and do a guest lecture because he said what you're doing uh, is not known in normal science at that time. Hmm. So I got validation that what I was doing was different than uh, it's not that the, the colleges didn't know. Uh, it was just a different approach that it included things that normally are not considered when you when you do it from a, just an academic point of view. Hmm. What would you say that was different for them about the work that you were doing or how you were approaching nutrition and measurement? What would you say that was different than, like you said, the academic line? Well, one of the things that comes to mind is uh, in one of the classes that I was guest lecturing with for my friend Brian, wasn't we were talking about digestion, and it's important to make sure that you get the, the right digestive enzymes, etc. And a nurse, for example, raised her hand and says, "Hey, he says, you know, when there's digestive issues, he says." What the doctors will tell me, you wait two days before they have a bowel movement before you do anything. And, and when they do something, they don't even put in digestive enzymes. So we found out right off the bat that there's a huge difference between what was being done and what is actually works best. Mm. The nutrition side of things had a ways to go to catch up in the medical realm, basically as far as how they were approaching problems with patients and things like that. Yeah. So now, today, it's obvious. You There's TV commercials you know, every day about probiotics, and sometimes they'll mention prebiotics. So the culture has definitely changed since when I started in 2002. No pun intended on that one with the culture changing. <laughs> Correct. Well, what does, uh, what does your work mean to you, Joe? What did, how does it fit into your life purpose? In, in what you're here to do? Well, <clears throat> the best description would be my clients and I, our, I don't want to say goal, is to be healthy beyond 100. Mm. So a lot of times when I ask people, is that something they want? Oh, no, I don't want to live to 100 because right off the bat their thinking is that they'll be decrepit. Mm. So right off the bat, that's a transformation in thinking. Yeah, and how it occurs to them, their longevity. Exactly, yeah. And it's just not, it wasn't just one person. It was like most people, when I say, how would you like to be healthy beyond 100? They don't hear the word healthy. Yeah, they <laughs> hear 100 and they old. 100 and decrepit. Well, I think you know, as we get into this thing about transformation, I'd like to go back and kind of get, uh, what's the word? How did I get here, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find that the path that I went on, as I look back, was very unique. I, I grew up in a small town called Martins Ferry, Ohio. And as I look back, you really didn't know, you, there's, you didn't have exposure to what's actually happening in the world. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so to 
end up going to getting a chemical engineering degree and then get a master's degree in business and a master's degree in international business, uh, where in international business, not only do you take business, but you also learn language. I learned some German, which I probably forgot by now, and learn the culture. You had to pick an area, whether it be the Far East, I picked Europe. Uh, So that education by itself kind of opened my eyes of what was going on in the world. Mm. So, and, and then along the way, I got exposure to being a process engineer in a chemical plant and being able to supervise operators on this huge equipment. I mean, just standing next to the equipment was like quite, uh, you appreciated that you really had to be safe in what you're doing. <laughs> right. Then I got an opportunity, the same company after I got my MBA to sell plastics to the automotive industry. So that was like a, a one big change after another. And then after getting my international marketing degree to getting a job in covering the Far East, which would include Australia, Taiwan, Japan, Canada, and also travel to Europe. So those experiences were definitely transformative for me as a, as a, as a person to appreciate things that I had no, I had no idea. Uh, and I was actually given an opportunity to work as a manager in Japan, but I turned it down because every time I came back home, I appreciated America. Uh, so very different world over there across across the big blue. Yeah, the Japanese were very smart and doing a lot of process engineering things, and I appreciated that. But there's one simple thing that when I went to the meetings there at that time, smoking was common, mm-hmm. not only common, but Everybody smoked. And I, in Europe, wasn't it the same thing, though? Uh, probably, but I, I had more experience in the Far East. Oh, I see. Uh, but I don't remember the, the smoking as much in Europe as I did. I mean, it, we're talking about everybody smoked, and by the time you get home like, to the hotel or whatever, uh, it's, I just want to lay down <laughs> and, and recover. But uh, so at any rate, then I ended up getting jobs in uh, computer support where I managed a group there and then became a project manager managing computer projects, you know, million dollar projects and getting exposure to major corporations like Exxon and Procter and Gamble, etc. So you learn how decisions are made on a scale that it's like for a a uh, guy from Martin Surrey, Ohio, was like, whoa, this is definitely Big way deal. Many, many notches beyond. How did you get into nutrition and nutritional consulting? What what made you, you've had quite a diverse life path, especially like you said yes. from your beginning uh, in kind of a small town in Ohio to the corporate ladder and, and different, you know, uh, business and engineering and things like that. How did you, how did that lead to nutrition? And helping people basically transform their life through, you know, better nutrition habits, through testing, through a measured approach. Um, well, there was one other thing that <clears throat> after being a project manager is also an R&D and ended up getting a patent, which I never was not something that was even in my thought framework. But what happened was that there was a merger from the company that I was in at the time. They had a layoff. So I ended up working for another company for a year. And then got laid off again. And I was always interested in nutrition, had gone to health fairs, etc. And I met a doctor there who said he thought he could help me. Well, 
I went and saw him, and then he says, hey, uh, well, there's one other piece that I, that I forgot to mention, is that in 83, I started getting into fitness and did my first marathon in Honolulu. That was also a big, huge transformative change is to get into fitness at a scale where I was doing triathlons and marathons, uh, etc. But in 84, I was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. Uh, FSH is the type. So at that time, I was still able to run, not very fast, but so that piqued my interest. And so when this doctor said he thought he could help me, I went to see him and he put my blood under the microscope. And he says, hey, listen, I can't help you, but I know somebody who might. You need to go see a different doctor. And then after working with him for three weeks, he says, how would you like to do some nutrition research with, at that time, it was a, a person who became a friend. He was a nutritionist for the Phoenix Suns, the NBA team. So that's how the, the interest progressed. Mm. And so I've been um, working with that organization since 2000, and actually in 1997. So that's what got me launched, so to speak. And then from there, that's when I learned the, not only the, the live blood microscope, uh, but also testing of urine and blood and, and hair. Later on, I learned. So I ended up developing a team of 14 people, health professionals, who the combination is what was productive. So that's really, really important in the transformative process is having a team and understanding that trying to do it by yourself is not going to be as effective as working with a team. Yeah, absolutely. When we talk about transformation and trying to making it an everyday occurrence, so to speak, obviously the background that I just taught you, you know, really related to you, with all the different experiences was profound. But then attending a workshop from uh, Landmark Education where we learned many distinctions and with the combination of all that background and that education, I came up with what I called the 11 states of existence for a vision. And that is really profound and probably very worthwhile sharing with you. Mm. So if, if we go and start off at the beginning, and we say state number one is your vision is missing and that you don't even know it's missing. So as an example, let's say you have a dog that you love very much and you came home one day and the dog was not there. You all know, we all know, we go out searching for that dog immediately. However, when it comes to a missing vision, we only we go day by day and don't even know that we don't even have a vision. So th that's a starting point to realize, do you have a vision or not? <clears throat> so the, the second state would be that you're now becoming aware that you don't have a vision. Now, when we go to the next stage, state three, these are not in any particular order, but let's just say that we, the example we're going to give is the vision fully exists, and that has four components. One, you have a vision that's written down or exists in the physical world. Uh, your vision appears possible, you know how to accomplish your vision, and you're in action accomplishing your vision. So that's the ideal. And then the other states would be where pieces are missing. So state four would be uh, you don't have, you, you have the first three components, but you don't have any action. Mm. So state five would be <clears throat> your vision partially exists, but you don't know how to accomplish it, and you're not in action accomplishing it. 
Well, let's just say that you have a blank sheet of paper and you're about to create your vision. Understanding that these 11 states of existence are key because it'll determine whether or not what you put on that piece of paper. Mm. So as the example, when I said exists uh, state five, where you don't know how to do something, are you likely to put it on your sheet of paper? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But now that you know that you can put something down where you don't know how, because that can lead to, oh, now I might need somebody else's help, for example, to complete my vision. So state six would be where you don't know how, but you're in action to learn how. Uh, state seven would be your vision exists, but it appears impossible, and there's no action there. So and state eight would be it appears impossible, but you're in action to try and make it possible. Mm. So you can see that if you're not aware of these things, the likelihood of certain things being put on your piece of paper that you're writing, your vision, are very unlikely that you would even put these things down on your... Then state nine would be your vision is far beyond impossible, that it is unthinkable. Now, in that case... The likelihood of you putting that down on your piece of paper would be probably nil because it's not even in your scope. Vision, excuse me, state 10 would be vision is not considered or it's been abandoned. And then state 11, a vision is outside your paradigm and it's not even knowable by you. So those are really, really key in understanding the 11 states. Uh, there might be others, but that's what I have working with right now. And it's key that I'm able to share that with my daughter who's 15. Oh, wow. She's 15 she's, already, huh? She's uh, actually 16 now. Wow. So when we talk about trying to make a transformation an everyday occurrence, knowing where you stand with your vision and what states and what parts of your vision are and what state can allow you, can lead you to taking action, the appropriate action, whether it's learning how to do something or making something possible that's not appearing possible. Yeah, absolutely. So regarding your work now, like the actual work that you do with your clients, what was one of the most transformative experiences that you can share? Well, the one that I can share with you is after I started seeing clients and testing them and laying out a plan, one of the things that happened was there were several clients who didn't follow the plan. Right. So that at first was like, oh, no, what am I doing wrong and whatever. So what I learned was it was okay that they didn't follow the plan because when they came in with the, the next vision and they're retesting, they found that what they did didn't work. Hmm. It's kind of like a self-correcting uh, mechanism. <laughs> exactly. So uh, one of the examples of a lady who was near 70 uh, had uh, some bone loss and uh, we we noticed that the calcium in the hair was elevated. So knowing she had bone loss, we, we could figure out that she needed calcium along with some other nutrients, of course. And on the next test, we found that the calcium level in the hair actually went down, even though she was taking calcium. Hmm. Later, her doctor says, hey, you don't need all that calcium. And so she stopped taking calcium or reduced the amount. And the next test, we found that the hair and the calcium went up. So we get a multiple confirmation. And then we had this confirmation with other clients also. Um, but that was a transformational period because we now know 
that for whatever reason, calcium in the hair may, if it's elevated, if you now confirm with the pH of the urine being uh, acidic, it's almost 100% that you don't have enough calcium. Hmm. So that's, that was a big deal. So would you say a lot of these situations with, with learning, you know, how, how these nutrients respond in the body with seeing how clients basically allowing them to fall into the program because sometimes they're not always going to listen. That was very transformative for you in the sense of open-mindedness, you know, of expanding your own vision of what you're doing or, uh, you know, basically open-mindedness with clients, acceptance, those kinds of things. What areas of your life would you say that those types of experiences really transformed or maybe areas of your own thinking? Well, clearly what you said is true is that um, I then became much more open-minded and it was also the way the clients learn. Uh, so it not only affected me, but it affected them and allowed us to go forward. What was your biggest obstacle to, to transformation? I guess, you know, like for everybody, it's a different thing. Uh, what was what was yours in the particular journey that you've had? Was there a recurring obstacle that was something you had to really overcome, whether it's external or internal in terms of your own thinking? We've talked about clients for the moment, but the fact that I had been diagnosed with FSH muscular dystrophy, that then became a focus on could we in fact impact something that was had been tested and had a known genetic mutation, could nutrition impact that? So since 1997, I've had to learn many things that were not in my thinking at the time or even in science at the time. Mm. Uh, the medical profession focused on fixing genes and in my case, I focused on the nutrition. And in that path, there were so many things that I had to learn uh, and were not done yet. I have to be so open-minded now that I don't know squat at times. So It's constantly changing, especially with all these new uh, gene therapies and CRISPR and nutrition, you know, and all kinds of things are updating all the time. Yeah. So the the latest one in this path, I ended up having multiple heart issues where I've had to put in uh, stents in my arteries. And so that was really quite a surprise thinking that we knew what the nutrition should be. So that was quite a shocker. And so we had to learn things, the importance of copper, for example, is critical for the formation of the good cholesterol, which prevents heart attacks, as an example. Uh, and then we also know to maintain muscles, where I had to learn how, how am I going to maintain my muscles. We knew that testosterone was important, and only within the last month or so, we learned that there are nutrients that actually promote the generation of testosterone in a safe, in a safe way, not a hormone replacement, which is dangerous. Hmm. So... That's huge. The combination of what's been learning, what has been learned in the nutrition world and combining that with the medical world, that's, I'd say, another thing that's um, huge that you have to be open-minded to, to now say, hey, combine all of these disciplines. So uh, that led to what I considered the wellness puzzle. And in that, well, we don't have time today to go through the whole wellness puzzle, but just 
understand that what medicine, for example, the stents kept me alive, then you have choices on whether you do nutrition or other naturopathic remedies. Uh, all these things together need to be combined for the best outcome. Yeah, it's really about the varied approach to to a situation from multiple angles. Yes. And then the other thing that came out of that was, okay, you have all these parameters, so to speak, in the wellness puzzle. How do you set your priorities? So that's really key. Now, I have a list of priorities for a nutritional and health standpoint of things that need to be done immediately to reduce your risk. Like, for example, it's now common knowledge, but it wasn't a few years ago, that vitamin D is critical. The beauty of that is there's an easy blood test for vitamin D, as an example. So the point, I guess, is that I've been learning to combine multiple disciplines, multiple nutrients, medical stuff to optimize, as best we know how, uh, the approach. Very cool. Well, what uh, kind of coming up on the end of the interview here, but what have your experiences contributed to your worldview? You know, what's what are some general things that you have taken from this specific life path of consulting people on nutrition, of doing nutrition oh. research that have given you insight into yourself, uh, life lessons about people, that sort of thing? You know, we were talking a lot about vision and open-mindedness. I think those things are pretty pretty applicable to anything. You know, that's one of those life lessons that you can really take home with. Was there anything else? One of the distinctions that I learned along the way was that of uh, leadership and the power of being able to lead without power. So as I went along and I became a manager, I learned that there was a ways to lead without telling people what to do and but to, I guess the word would be kind of guide, so to speak, rather than say, go do this, go do that. I remember it. It was one very interesting day. I had completed a seminar on leadership, and I shared what I learned from the workshop to the people that I was managing and how I had, you know, I wasn't very effective at guiding. I was more. And they said, yeah, we know, Joe. We learned that the sooner we agree with you, the better, the shorter the meeting would be. So, <laughs> so it was kind of humbling to learn that, but it allowed me to be much more effective in a leadership role. Hmm. Uh, so I guess the point is there's many aspects as you get into the transformation world and understanding what you have, who you have to be uh, to be effective is really, uh, really important. Hmm. And the only way you can do that is to put yourself where you are continually learning. So I would say that's really critical to be continually learning. I completely agree. Well, what are you most grateful for right now? Um, that I have some tools to teach my daughter. I'd say that's most important to me. Hmm. Well, cool, my friend. This is pretty much we've come up on the end of the interview here. Thank you for sharing some of your thoughts and life story regarding transformation as well as the interesting work of nutrition and nutrition research. I know we've been friends for a long time. We probably could talk about this for a long, long, long time. Nutrition is a, a huge part of my own life as well as a, a big pillar of 
leading a transformed and healthy life for sure. So where can they find out more information about you if they want to do some nutrition counseling? Uh, do you do long distance things with people? Yeah, actually, I've had clients in uh, Singapore and China. Oh, wow. Okay. So we can do some things through the mail and through Skype. So the uh, way to contact me would be through the phone at 623-206-1958. All righty. So I, I appreciate it, Tudor. It's yeah, a pleasure okay. working with you all these years and uh, also uh, today. Now, thank you. Thank you. That was, that was awesome. So, well, look, guys, that concludes our interview on What is Transformation Today with my guest, Joseph Wozniak. He's a nutrition researcher and nutrition consultant, known each other for a really long time. So thank you for allowing me to share that interview with you and tune in every Friday where I host conversations with some amazing people about their journey towards living a life full out. I hope that this episode has contributed to your own journey. If you know anyone who would benefit from today's show, share it with them. You never know what difference it will make on the path toward living their own life purpose, especially with nutrition. That is a huge part of living a good life. Thank you for supporting the show and helping me create a resource for people to empower themselves in creating a life that they love. And thank you again, Joe. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. It was a pleasure here also, Tudor, and uh, I am grateful for our relationship all the, for all these years. So thank you. All right, my friend. Well, we'll see you later, and thank you guys for listening. You're listening to the Dance of Life podcast with your host, Tudor Alexander. Join me weekly as I discuss my most meaningful life lessons and strategies on entrepreneurship, transformation, gratitude, and how to dance your way through life. For the latest content and bonus material, make sure you get subscribed using your favorite listening platform. And if you like today's episode or want to contribute to a future episode, share your ideas and keep the conversation going at danceoflife.com. And remember, life is short, so you might as well learn to dance your way through it. Until next time, I'm Tudor Alexander, and this is The Dance of Life. <laughs>